This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and I'm just so grateful you're here today. We hope that the stories on this podcast bring you hope, encouragement, inspiration, and we are just so grateful that we've had the opportunity to interview so many amazing humans on this podcast. Today, I'm crossing over an episode that is also airing on my podcast for runners called All Have Another. I interviewed my friend Holly Hughes and just thought this episode also needs to go out on Illuminate. Holly is an incredible woman. She's the mother of four and she pushes her son Jonah, who has cerebral palsy, in a Team Hoyt chair. And he's 12 now and she's been pushing him for 12 years since he was a baby. And now he's in the Team Hoyt racing chair. And Jonah and Holly run so many miles and races together. And it is such a special, unique relationship and way to experience races. Uh, not only are they doing this these races, but Holly runs really fast pushing Jonah. And Jonah is her biggest cheerleader. She has run a sub three hour marathon pushing Jonah. And most recently, Jonah and Holly ran a 50 mile race and they ran it in seven hours and 53 minutes, which if you know anything about running, you know that's pretty, pretty speedy. Um, she really goes all in with her goals there. And so does Jonah. We cover a wide range of topics in this episode. And I do want to give a quick trigger warning here at the beginning that we do talk about some pretty severe mental health struggles and the topic of suicide attempt does get discussed in this episode. So if that is triggering to you at all and you want to skip this episode, I want to let you know now, or if you have little ears listening in the car, um, I just want to give you a heads up. So uh, friends, we're grateful you're here. If you are enjoying the Illuminate podcast, please leave us a rating interview on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support this podcast, you can support our show at patreon.com slash the Illuminate pod. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Holly. All right, today on All Have Another, I'm so excited to have Holly Hughes back on the show. Welcome back, Holly. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm really excited to be back. Thank you. <laughs> I was like scrolling through your Instagram, watched the little reel you did of you and Jonah doing the 50 miles and started tearing up. And I was like, Lindsay, this is why you started this podcast to talk to people like Holly. <laughs> you are incredible. Uh, Jonah's incredible. I just am along for the ride with him, you know. <laughs> You're both incredible. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so let me just catch our listeners up with who you are a little bit, and then we'll dig into your story. Holly was back on the show in 20, I believe it was 2018. I think so. Does that so. feel I right to you? It does. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Four years ago. 
And um, she was in town for the 500 Festival Mini Marathon working to break the Guinness Book World Records, pushing her son Jonah in a chair in the race. And you ended up running 124 at that race. You did break the record. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Let's just start right there real quick. What did that process look like, like submitting the records and everything? Um, so I actually still haven't heard anything back from them how many years later. Holy crap. Yeah. That's poor follow-up on my end though, too. So, um, we had to submit, uh, we had to video the entire thing. So I had the little GoPro hooked up to the running chair the whole time to prove that nobody else touched the chair. I was the only one pushing the chair. Then we had to submit documentation from the race director, Um, And then three other um, forms of verification from people that had no like affiliation with, with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had to be in a professional capacity. So yeah, that, that's all been submitted a very long time ago. Four (laughs) years. Yes. Okay. I was wondering because I was looking, I was like, she doesn't have it on her profile that it's official or anything, but I knew Mm -hmm. that you did because you broke it by quite a bit too. What was the actual time you had to run? Um, it was like over two hours. Oh, (laughs) yeah, it was like two hours and change. So actually, we wanted to run, I think it was under an hour and 30 minutes, because at that time, that was the guy's record as well. So in my head, I was like, I want to try and and break that record too. So um, I think that's been broken since on the guy's side, but um, yeah, for the females, it was it was over two hours. Oh, so, so yeah, we were we were well under it. You really could have for you. You really could have jogged the half marathon and broke the record. <laughs> yeah, you're a speedy lady. Oh, thanks. Um. Okay, so we're gonna get into what you just did, which was incredible. Ran 50 miles with Jonah, but can you catch everybody up to speed a little bit about your story? who Jonah is and what you do together. Yes. So Jonah is one of my four kids. So he is the third in line. I have a daughter and then three boys. Um, He has a a older brother, younger brother. Um, So Jonah was born prematurely at 29 weeks following a a complete placental abruption. Um, At birth, he had a stroke, which resulted in some brain damage. So he has cerebral palsy. Um, outside of that, he has a very rare epilepsy syndrome called CSWS, continuous spike and wave during slow sleep syndrome. <laughs> so um, that's, you know, he was diagnosed with that when he was five. Prior to that, though, he had severe refractory epilepsy in addition to that. Um, I, I've always run with my kids since the time that they were born. And um, Jonah eventually grew out of the running stroller. And he's not ambulatory, so he's unable to walk um, at this time. He's unable to run um, at this time independently. He, he needs me to do that. So we we're fortunate that when he grew out of the, um, you know, the, the running stroller to get a team white running chair. And we've been running with that for the last seven years. So it accommodates his growth. We've had the same chair for the last seven years. So he's just grown right in that chair. And, um, yeah, he just loves, loves, loves to run, loves to run so much. (laughs) So that's what we do. Uh, we go and we like to race together, different races and, you know, just be out, be out running together. It's it's just our thing. We love it. Uh, recently Dick Hoyt passed away. Mm -hmm. So did you and Jonah talk about that? What does the Hoyt chair mean to you guys? Yeah, um, I'll actually get emotional right now because 
um, reading his book was what helped me come to terms with what was going on with Jonah. Um, I read it following Jonah's diagnosis. He was just under a year old and we had left this neurology appointment and the neurologist was like, he's never going to walk. He's never going to do this. He's never going to do that. And um, as a parent, it's really hard to come to terms with, with a doctor telling you all these things that your child isn't going to do, um, which we ended up switching to a new neurologist because I don't think any doctor should ever tell you what your child is capable of doing or not doing. But um, despite that, anyways, <laughs> I was familiar with um, Merck and Dick Hoyt from running, running in high school. And I found his book and I started reading his book and it was just, it just had this feeling of this. I can, I can do this. I can do this for Jonah. I can give him this. And looking back on it now, it's still really, it's still really weird to me because I just kind of assumed that's what he would want, mm. <laughs> you know, and here he is, he's not even a year old, but it is, it was like that mother's intuition. I think looking back, like I just knew, okay, I can still give him this. Like if he wants to run, at least I can still give him running. Mm. At least I can still give him this movement outside. And in the book a lot, it just talks about, you know, fighting for your, for your child and, and not settling and not listening to what's, what doctors are telling you or what anybody else is telling you. It's, it, it was just transformative. Um, and that's how we ended up, you know, knowing about the chair, getting the chair. So when he passed away, it was just, it's so funny because I've never even met him, but he unknowingly changed my life and my son's life so much that it felt like this immense loss. So, um, yeah, so we did talk about it and without him, we, we wouldn't be able to experience all the joy that we experienced together. So, wow. you know, that that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, you know, and the way you talk about it, like giving, giving Jonah, and I know, you know, you would say he gives it to himself as well. Like you guys are 50, 50, like you guys are a total team, but giving him the outdoors, mm -hmm. giving him all that time you spend running outside, giving him that same release. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what running is. Yes. It gives us so much life. And, you know, when I look at you guys, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sure Jonah would have a great life. Even if you didn't run, you would give him a great life. But look at all he's gotten to see because of that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I, I love it. It's great. It's just great. And just being outside, it, like you said, it, it provides you such a release. And for him too, it provides him a sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. that um, he might not get other places. And so when we finish a race, that, that sense of accomplishment um, is something he takes with him every single day. And when he's having a down day or a down moment, he can reflect back on that and say, well, like, I mean, since we finished the race, it's been, well, how many people have done that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like, well, you know, he's very, he's struggling very much with being in a chair and, you know, it's like, oh, mom, I hate this chair so much. Yeah, Joni, you hate this chair. It's, I get that. It's, it's horrible. I don't like that you're in it either, but you know, you, you've gotten to experience all these wonderful things that you want to have experienced if, if this wasn't a limitation that you have. So, um, yeah, we'll try and think about that a lot with him and, and just being outside and he loves it. And 
He'll be like, oh, it's such a beautiful day out, mom. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, di- I'm dripping in sweat, 90 degrees. I'm dying. And he's like, this is glorious. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it though? Yeah. <laughs> this like, is also really hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So another piece to this story is a bit about your health journey mm-hmm. because in 2017 you were diagnosed with Addison's disease. Can you tell everybody what that is and how that affects you? Yep. Um, Addison's disease is adrenal insufficiency. So it's basically, it's an endocrine disorder where your adrenal glands um, really aren't working like they should. They basically decide to, to stop functioning properly. So um, back in 2017, I was told um, I got really, really sick for a long time. Um, they struggled to figure out a diagnosis. And um, at the end of 2017, that was what I was diagnosed with was Addison's disease. Um, so at that time, I started uh, taking cortisol, which is a hormone that your adrenal glands produce. It's like your stress, your stress um, hormone. So um was also told that we would never, (laughs) I I was done. I was done doing endurance endurance events. Like you just can't do that when you have Addison's and because it is such a stressor on your body and, and mental stress and physical stress both require cortisol. So I found a new endocrinologist that was willing to work with me and help me with dosing because you, you do have to dose uh, depending on you know, like your requirements and illness and certain things like that. So yeah, we just built up and it was a lot of uh, trial and error. And since then, there's been a lot with it and other endocrine issues, but it's just something that we've learned to manage. And it's something that I try really not to focus on too much, I guess, at this point, because it just is who I am and part of who I am. And um, sometimes if I if I do think about it too much, it can get me a little bit down because it does impact you elsewhere. And I, I think, well, if I didn't have to struggle with this, mm-hmm. like, what, what are the possibilities? And I don't really like to think about that. So I just try and kind of, you know, just let that be a little bit. So you're dosing based on your needs. So when you're mm-hmm. in like higher intensity training, are you mm-hmm. seeing that you need more dosage? I I was at the onset. So really in 2018 and 2019, but not anymore. No, no. At this point, I feel pretty, pretty stable. Um, I don't updose. Um, no, I just, it, it just is what it is. We did, a, we did do a lot of updosing at the onset, but no, not anymore. I think that that's such a powerful story too, because you could have just listened to that first doctor and been like, okay, well, I guess endurance sports aren't going to be my thing anymore. But like you literally leave, live and breathe this. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonah is the reason for that. So it was the difference between me running with him mm-hmm. And, and not, and he was the most affected during that time. Not only could I not run with him, but I was also de- dealing with endocrine myopathy. So basically I had my whole endocrine system just basically crashed. And so it was like my muscles were diseased. So I lost all strength in my body. So picking him up, I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't lift him. Um, I struggled with day-to-day activities. There were times I couldn't lift like my coffee cup or sign my name on a paper. And so, um, he, he just struggled, mom, when are we going to be able to run again? Mom, when are we going to be in, you know, I'm like, I can't even, I couldn't even walk down this. It was hard to walk down the steps. Um, so when 
you know, <laughs> I guess I just, I couldn't settle into that because what do you do? And I had had, I had three other kids outside of Jonah, but they, they seemed not as affected by it. He, he wanted to be outside. He wanted to run. He had goals he wanted to accomplish and I'm part of those goals, you know? So, um, and he was the one when I started getting back into it and like, there were days where Lindsay, where I just go, what are you doing? This is so hard. This hurts so bad. Can you keep doing this? Like you can just quit. Nobody would judge you if you quit. Like nobody will blame you. This is really, really challenging. And then I'd walk in the door and Jonah would say, how'd the run go, mom? How'd today go? How do you feel? When do you think we're going to run again? And it was like, oh, all right. Yep. <laughs> On to the next one, you know? So how did it get better though? Because I mean, I know you still struggle with pain and issues, but mm -hmm. you're obviously managing it. Mm -hmm. I think it, I think it was just learning to manage it yeah. and um, replenishing what was lost. So, and now I take like, I take another hormone. I take DHEA. Um, Cause that was, that was something we found out. I think it was last year that is very, very low. Again, that's one of the hormones that is produced. So um, that helped. And actually I'm still right now, currently I'm working with my doctor because I have been dealing with a lot of issues. I had COVID in April at the end of April. And since then I have not been feeling well at all. So we are actually in the process now trying to figure out, okay, how can, how can we accommodate some of, some of these feelings? So, but I'm pretty conscious about trying to get enough sleep and um, fueling and fluids and stuff like that too. Um, just, just to help in any of those ways. Yeah. Okay. You have accomplished quite a big number of goals since we last talked in 2018. Thanks. We're going to get to those. I have to ask though, with Jonah and your other kids, like, what is it like spending so much time with him running? Like, do you ever feel like pulled? Like I need to give my other kids. I mean, that's, that's a struggle when, you don't have a kid with disabilities, right? Like, mm -hmm. so how do you manage that? It's a struggle, Lindsay, and I don't think I've managed it as well as I could have, but I've tried my best. So, Which is um, what matters. Yes, and that's that's what I try and hold on to and um, really try to remind myself, like, if I could go back in time, would I do things differently? Probably, but I can't, and I just have to remind myself, I have done my best, I have tried my best. Um, that time is focused a lot on Jonah, um, as far as our running and stuff, but like my, my oldest daughter, she was super involved in dance. Um, my younger two, they're involved in their athletics. So I go, you know, I'm at their games. I'm always making sure I'm at their games. I was always at her dance performances and all of that type of stuff. And the kids understand that this is something that, that Jonah needs. This is also something that I need. Mm -hmm. And they, they get that. They understand that we are both better for it. And they've, they've seen me when I've been very, very low and they know that that is not a good place for mom to be. Um, they've seen Jonah be very, very low and they know that's not a good place for him to be as well. So they are, they're super understanding of that. Um, I think the struggle more so has been looking back in time is all of Jonah's hospitalizations that were outside of our control and how that affected our kids which is something I'm just, you know, delving more into with my oldest, with my daughter. And she was 
um, you know, she's like six, seven, eight, nine, and in that time period where he was in the hospital all the time, and I'm gone, I'm gone with him, mom's gone. And I'm so focused on him, because, you know, this is life and death with him, that I would kind of like, back off and make sure like, oh, you know, make sure my parents had, you know, a good connection with her. Like, did you guys check in with Alina today? Things like that. And, you know, now coming back into that saying, realizing that she felt kind of abandoned during that time from me, not, not being able to be fully present, knowing that it's outside of my control. But as a little kid, you can't control your feelings like that. And even as an 18 year old, you can't go back and say, these feelings don't exist. Mm -hmm. It's more recognizing, okay, my mom did her best and she'll tell me that you did your best. I know you can't control that. It just still hurts sometimes, you know, and in realizing that, and these are the conversations now that I'm having with her that I can have with my younger two, you know, with, with Noah and Jack and just say, guys, I'm, you know, I hope you know that even when I'm out there thinking of you mm-hmm. or, you know, think just, just things like that, or, you know, just talking up their games and making sure they see me present in their lives independently as well, because Jonah gets a lot of one-on-one. So they need that independent time as well, that one-on-one time. So yeah, it's just something you kind of muddle your way through and just try and do what you can do and do your best. I love that you're talking to her about it though. Mm-hmm. And I and I think in today's world, like we know more now than we did, you know, and our parents' generation, at least my parents, <laughs> they don't talk about like those kinds of things like, oh, what we could have done differently or, you know what I mean? Or like facing the the issues that happened when you were a kid that are like still stirring up things as an adult. It's kind mm-hmm. of like it is what it is and we have moved on and this is life now. And I think that's so cool that you're so self-aware to be having those regular conversations with your daughter. Oh, thank you. I think that that's a lot with her. She's, she's doing a lot of healing work and um, she's really open to these conversations. So they wouldn't be occurring if, if she wasn't um, so, so willing to participate in them. So I give her a lot of credit. She has worked really, really hard these last couple of years to um, be, be in a good head, headspace. She's um, I have shared on our social media. She was in residential treatment multiple times for an eating disorder. She had a suicide attempt in 2020 that she worked, you know, she was in residential treatment following that. So she's worked a lot, a lot on her mental health. And um, so with, without her willingness, these conversations probably wouldn't be happening because she's brought them to me and she is able to keep that conversation going. So a lot of that is, is just her. And I'm just so proud of her. And, um, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, she's just a great kid. And she, she helps me reflect on, on me and what I should have done and what I can do moving forward to be the mom that I want to be. So. Wow. Holly, I didn't know that. Mm Wow. Yeah. Um, and she's off to college. She's off to college. She's a freshman in college. See, I was going to pull on that a little bit because I was like, man, what's it like sending your kid to college? But you're not just sending your kid to college. Like you have been through a lot and she has been through a lot. And sending her to college is a little bit different than sending another kid to college. Yes, it is. (laughs) How do you let go? 
Oh, you don't. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, you do. Little by little, you let go, I think. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I'm finding. Because you do have to let go. She is a freshman in college. And I mean, technically an adult, which I mean, are you really an adult at 18? No. I don't think so. No. I mean, Sorry I if you're 18 and you're listening. You're not. <laughs> no, you're not an adult. You're not ready for all of that. So um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. But like I said, she is she has done the work and she continues to do the work. And so I have to just have faith in that. I have to have faith in that and that um, we have open communication that um, she's going to ask for help if she needs help, which she, which she does. And she continues on and she's, she continues on in her therapy and her psychiatrist appointments and all of that. She's doing what she needs to do. Um, and I'm super lucky because she chose a school that's only an hour away nice. from us. So if anything happens, she's just a, she's a quick car ride away. Was she a valedictorian? Yes, she was. <laughs> Amidst all of that, she ended up being valedictorian of her high school. That's incredible. She is incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about sitting in the crowd, listening to her give a speech, knowing all that she had walked through. I'm going to start crying. You me can too. See um, there was a long time I didn't think she was going to make it to that day um, where to see her stand on this stage. I didn't care if she was valedictorian. She she made it to that day and she was graduating high school. And I didn't think I was going to see that. It was so dire for so long that um I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't I couldn't stop crying that weeks leading up to it, that whole day during the ceremony. Um she couldn't stop crying either. So she, I think every picture we have, she's like just sobbing in. It was really, it was really incredible. Um, and I was really proud of her because the speech she gave was very, she was so vulnerable in it. And um, she talked about getting rejected from her top two schools and she was devastated. I mean, she was just devastated. We were devastated. Um, she had worked so hard and, and to be rejected from, you know, your, your, your top two schools. And, um, you know, that's, that's really, that's really difficult. It makes you not feel so great about yourself. And, um, she talked about whether or not that meant she had to always feel bad about herself now, you know, like, cause that's how she kind of lives. Like I was rejected. So now I'm going to reject myself. And she could recognize, like, she didn't want to stay in that place anymore. Like, these schools don't dictate whether or not she should feel good about herself. And and for her to get on stage and, and just open up like that, I was just so, it's so impressed by her. So, yeah, sitting there listening and hearing, it was just incredible. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so proud of her. I'm just really, really proud of her. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was an awesome day. <laughs> incredible. So, yeah. What a good lesson too. I mean, we all, we all need rejection. We're all going to get rejection. And I think that that lesson there that like her self-worth was, isn't found in if someone accepts her or rejects her, like you need to learn, learning that, that young is huge. Yes, it is. And carries with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Cause you want to like, kind of like cower under your desk or, you know, you feel embarrassed if someone rejects you or tells you no mm -hmm. or makes you feels mm -hmm. like feel like you're not good enough and especially after you've worked so hard for something 
Mm-hmm. But it's like, that doesn't define you. No, not at all. Not at all. So, and I think everything eventually plays out how it's supposed to. And that led to her going, she's going to Binghamton University, which like I said, is an hour away and it's a phenomenal school and it's close. And I think all of that kind of led to that. And I'm I'm super happy she's there. She's loving it. She is loving it there. So, you know, it's like, see, okay, like, this is good. This is all good. This is all working out just how it needs to work out. So if you all didn't already think Holly is the strongest human you've ever met via this podcast, um, you recently ran 50 miles with Jonah. You and Jonah ran 50 miles in 7.53, 7 hours, 53 minutes. In the past year, you also broke three hours in the marathon, pushing Jonah two hours, 57 minutes. That was a big goal. Yes. Um, and this is all like a year after you walked through your divorce. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. So my ex-husband and I separated in, uh, 2020. So, um, and we did the marathon in 2021, the fall of 2021 and the 50 miler obviously was just recently. So yes, all of that is following, um, yes, my divorce. So, mm-hmm. so it's been about years. Talk to us about walking through that time and your kids and it does, so are you, do you split 50, 50? Does Jonah go with your ex-husband 50%? Yes. Yes. We split 50, 50. The only one, Alina um, is the only one that she is with me a hundred percent of the time, but um, the other, the three boys, yes, we split about 50, 50. So yeah. Um, yeah. 2020 was probably not probably 2020 was the hardest year of my life. So started off with Alina in residential treatment from an eating disorder, then I actually picked her up the week that everything shut down with COVID. So that was when she came home. She came home with um, really nothing set in place because everything was closed and nobody knew how to operate at that time. So it was not a great situation for her to come home to while she was in residential. um, Andy and I separated during that time which was important and necessary and needed to happen prior to her coming home. So that happened. We briefly reconciled for a couple months. And then um, over the summer was Lena's suicide attempt. And so she ended up in the hospital following her attempt and then was admitted to residential treatment for that. And while she was in residential treatment, Jonah underwent massive surgery where he basically had his whole entire hip reconstructed and he was basically bed bound for six months. Mm. And um, it was a few days after we came home from that when my marriage imploded. So I found out my husband was cheating on me and I just called it quits at that point. There were other things that um, other things that I had dealt with throughout that 14 years. And that was just pretty much like, I'm, I'm, I'm done this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And um, so that, that was 2020 in a nutshell for me. So it was a really, really challenging year. Holly, I just like, what, what did you lean on? Like, I just can't imagine. I have an incredible family. Um, My parents are the best parents I could ever hope to have. And I have a 
a group of very close girlfriends that literally just helped me through that time. Um, without them, I don't think I would have made it through that time. It was very, very challenging. And um, they were always there for me, always supporting me, always giving me an ear, shoulder to cry on. If I needed to scream or rage or yell or whatever, I could call them and just, you know, go outside and just, what is going on? You know, like, can you believe this? Like, I can't handle this. Or, you know, they just stop by and check on me. And, um, you know, my dad would come over and we, my dad and I had a lot of long talks during that time. My mom and I had a lot of long talks during that time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was my parents and my, and my couple of close girlfriends that I leaned on and they were really, really helpful. They still are to this day. So, um, yeah, without them, I don't think I would have made it through that time. How do you get past the, like, how the heck is this happening to me? Like, haven't I been through enough? Um, I, for me, I just think about everybody else that goes through 10 times more than I go through. And like, I still have, I have it. So, I mean, I'm so lucky and in so many other areas. Yeah. If these bad things have happened, but I am so fortunate. So for me, I need to remind myself of that. Like I, I have a child who has mental health issues, who is still here with me today you know, who is working and putting the work in every single day. I have three other beautiful kids that love me that I love tremendously. Um, I focus on them. I focus on my, you know, my little support network and all the things that I, that I have, I have running that provides me with so much release. And that's such a gift. I have, I have a house, you know, that I live in, I have food. I don't struggle really to provide for my children. These are all things that so many people don't have. And I'm not going to take for granted those things and focus on these these other bad things that have happened because in the scheme of life, I'm a very fortunate person. So um, so that's that's what I do. I just try and remind myself to be grateful. And there are days that I struggle. Don't get me wrong. There are days I wake up and I am just like, wow, especially, you know, in 2020, 2021, I just wake up and just feel really, really low and say, oh my gosh, like, this is your, this is your life. And, um, but then you just pick yourself up and you move on and you just have to make it through that day and, and find that place of gratitude again, and just be really thankful for all that, all that we're given. So, and with, and with Jonah and Alina, I don't, it's not that difficult for me because I see kids that are disabled that don't have what Jonah has Mm -hmm. and that struggle to even get like a power wheelchair. And I'm like, we, we have one for him. I am able to travel with him and run these races. And there are kids that don't even have a wheelchair that can give them any independence, or they have a child that has severe mental health issues where they don't have access to medical care and they don't have access to counselors or they can't afford that care. And that, that to me is just so, so sad. And so I have to be grateful that I have these things. So that's what I try and focus on. What do you do for work? Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) I know you work too. Yes, I do. I do work. So um, I manage a concert venue during the summer. So 
it's interesting. So that venue transforms from a concert venue to haunted attractions in the fall to winter, oh, this winter wonder wander in the, in the winter. And then um, the person that I work for also um, promotes concerts outside of our area locally. So I, I do marketing for all of those. And then I market for the concerts that are outside of our venue as well. So that is my job. That's your day job. <laughs> Yes, that is my day job and night job. <laughs> yeah, I would say cool. like flexible schedule. Like you kind of work yep. when you can work. Yes. Yep. Um, and does Jonah, we talked about this in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Is Jonah integrated in a regular classroom? Yes, he is. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you, yep. you talked about feeling very strongly about that, right? Yes. And I still feel very strongly about it. Um, what happened with COVID is all of this technology we had been fighting for, for him to obtain became this became a necessity for all students. So that has been the single greatest help for him in the classroom is access to this technology. So he is so much more independent now um, because he's able to utilize an iPad and a computer and he has vision issues. So the backlighting on both really help his vision. So that that's just transformed everything for him. He participates in the classroom more. He's not on the same, like, uh, you know, like doing the sixth grade math, like they, they find a way for him to be able to participate in with this, with the sixth grade math. So whether it be like he uses a calculator, like that's an accommodation that they provide for him, but um, like reading comprehension, he's, he's not able to read. He will not be able to read. His vision issues are to an extent that he's just not going to read, but he does audiobooks, And then he can talk about, you know, the, he can participate in class discussions and all of that stuff by listening to the audiobooks, which is something that they weren't really doing before that we kept saying, we need this, we need this. So that's been awesome for him. It has, it has transformed him in the classroom and I'm so happy about it. And so now it's just, we're not taking these things away. You know, no. now they're kind of reverting back. I'm like, nope, they're not reverting back for him. They are as is. <laughs> well, and that's so. just one of the things like when you were talking about your gratitude, like you have the ability and the tenacity to fight for those things for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some kids don't have that. Yep. And it's, it, that's so, it's so sad. It's, that's another thing that I'm actually, so I participate, I'm a parent rep for our, um, for our school district. So I can participate in other students' IEP meetings so that if their parents don't feel um, equipped enough to advocate for them, or, um, you know, if, if they just need that even extra support, like that person there to just sit next to them and, you know, like, take notes for them or, or anything like that. So I've been, I've been fortunate enough to do that for the last couple of years. And I, I'm, I enjoy that, but it's also very eye opening. and there's so many gains our school district still needs to make. And it's not just ours, it's everywhere as far as making sure kids are getting services that they need. And, you know, parents shouldn't have to fight as hard as they fight for their children to just be able to participate in the classroom, but they do. They have to, and it's just one of those things that still needs a lot of work and needs to be changed. So, so yeah. is Jonah ten? He's twelve. He's twelve. Yes. And then you're—he's in the middle of the boys. Yep. So 
Uh, Noah is going to be 14. So he's 13 right now, going to be 14. Then Jonah's 12. And then Jack is nine. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I know. (laughs) Like you were just, I was just um, thinking about this because my big three are in elementary now. My younger still in preschool, but it's like you're in the like middle part of motherhood. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One's yeah. shipped off. No, no babies or toddlers. Your kids are all in the middle here. I saw mm-hmm. your post on about the first day of school and just feeling like, I mean, every parent feels this. It's like days can be so long and stressful and tiring. And, and you're feeling that at the same time as you're feeling this, like, please slow down, please slow down, please slow down. Like you're feeling both of those things at once. Yes. I feel like we live in that space so much, you know, it's like, you're so, it's so hard sometimes that you, you can't see the end of the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, oh, can I just make it through today? Can I just then, get to bed? Yes, exactly. But then you're so full of love and, you know, and it's like, but, but don't, no, don't make it to the end of today because this is going to change so fast and you send a kid off to college and yes. before you even know it and Oh, it's just always such a mix of emotions and they just are warring and equal. And yeah, it's, it's just crazy being a parent. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's so much. (laughs) What will, um, what will Jonah's life look like? I mean, you might not know right now, but what do you envision that when he turns 18 and beyond? I'm, I'm not sure, Lindsay. I really don't know. Um, it's so, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. So and you don't have I, to know. Yeah, no, I, I kind of got to take it day by day with him. Um, I just want him to be as independent as possible because that's what he wants. He wants to be as independent as possible. So we have to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. So that that's all I want. You know, let's get him doing as much as he can for himself because that's what he wants for himself. So that's that's our goal. So will he go to college? I'm not sure. He alternates. I want to go to college. I don't want to go to college. So if he wants to go to college, we'll fight to get him into a college and figure that out. If he chooses not to, he chooses not to, and we'll figure that out. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know yet. Okay. So let's talk about the 257 marathon. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Also though, you do so much weightlifting and strength work. Yes. You're real Um, plugged into a gym. Yes. I have to, I have to with him. So he's 12 now. He's not that much shorter than me. Um, and he's like 120, 130 pounds. So it's not, he's not, he's not a baby. He's not a toddler. He's not a little boy anymore. He's turning into, you know, a, a an older child. And so I've needed to needed to lift weights because other otherwise, how do I lift him? I'm still at the point where I'm able to change him and carry him and lift him, not carry him for long dis- distances, but I can pick him up and set him on on the toilet if he needs to be. Um, I can lift him into his wheelchair from his bed. I can take him out of his wheelchair and put him in his in his chair into this into the Hoyt chair and things like that. Um, I know there will be a point in time I'm no longer to do those things. I'm trying my hardest to push that point in time as far away from me as possible. So with that, I have to lift. Um, I've been dealing with some low back issues, my back spasming, and that's, that's very much a weakness. So I need to strength train. Um, I started strength training after I was diagnosed with Addison's and having lost all of my muscles, my strength, 
I just never want to feel like that again, ever. I felt so helpless and not being able to take care of my kids was the worst feeling. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty adamant about getting in the gym and, and still strength training. And I don't foresee that ever changing because there's not going to be a time where I'm never not going to need to help lift him in some capacity. So that'll be something I'll continue to do for sure. Are you strength training as much as you run? So no, um, I, when we get into the higher volume, I, I have to pull the plug on the strength training because I am just physically too exhausted from, from it, which, which is hard because I do have other goals outside of running, like with hybrid events. So I have to be strong for those. So when I, when I pull the plug on that, it's, it's a pretty hard, you know, decision to make because I know that part of my life is going to suffer like competitive like I'm a competitive person, you know, so competitively, I'm like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta pull back here. But then I have to remember that my ultimate goal is running with Jonah. Mm. So that that pulls back. And then once we're once our volume decreases, I get back into the gym again. So um, yeah, I just I know there are people that can manage it well, you know, continuing to strength train and run run a higher volume. I am not one of those people. I will never be one of those people. So yeah. But are you doing basic stuff just to like for injury maintenance and injury prevention when you're not like in the because when when she says she's in the gym, like she in the gym, (laughs) like she's hitting it hard. So like, are you just are you doing like push ups and planks and just like basic stuff when you're picking up the mileage? Um, no, honestly, I'm really, yeah, I, it's so hard. Um, so last summer, uh, let me, okay. So last summer, yes, last summer I was able to, when we were marathon training, I was able to lift once a week, sometimes twice a week, very modified to very basic, you know, like benching, squatting, um, things like that, you know, lunging, um, simple movements. So I could continue that this go around. I if I get done and be like, okay, maybe I'll do some push-ups or <laughs> like, no, I'm going to fall on my face. No, yeah. I just can't today. So I just did not have the, I just didn't have the energy. I, I truly did not. So no, this go around. I really just, I think I, I lifted twice since June and that, and that was it. That was all I could do, but I really tried to tune into what was going on with my body um, like I said, at the end of April, I had COVID and it just knocked the wind out of my sails. I still don't feel like I've recovered from it. So it was trying to just get back to a place where I even felt okay running because all of my runs felt terrible too. So adding, adding that in was just, nope. I just said, all right, this is one piece of my life that's going to exist again in a couple months from now. That's great though, that you don't get injured, like that you could get through the run and not have to worry about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like there were times where my hand, my hamstrings really bothered Mm. me and my low back spasmed in August. And that's where I'm like, Oh, this wouldn't be happening if I maintained, you know? So, so there is some of that, you know, like, Oh, darn it. I know I would not be struggling with this right now if I, if I was able to maintain, but I couldn't. So now that's what I'm, you know, now it's like, okay, let's get these hamstrings healthy. Let's get this back stronger, that type of thing. So, Yeah. And you work with Mary. I do. I love Mary so much. <laughs> She's so great. And yes. talk about like what that looks like and like how training, is it any different because you're pushing Jonah mm-hmm. and how does she accommodate with that? 
Yeah. So um, I really pretty much dictate what I do as far as with Jonah. So and would she leaves that up to me because otherwise we would have to talk yeah. every day, you know, so um, so and it depends on what we're training for as far as like what my focus is running with him. So like for the marathon, I will do longer runs with him, some paced work, um, some of my speed sessions with him. Then this for the ultra, I really didn't do much speed work at all. Um, we really didn't go any further than like marathon pace type stuff. Um, and I, I didn't do any of those with Jonah. I did those all by myself. And then what I would do is like after a heavy day, like a heavy mileage day, the next day I would go and run with Jonah so that I was super fatigued, but I wasn't getting that mileage in with him because we tried that and I just couldn't recover from it. Yeah. It just knocked me out too much. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of back and forth with Mary, this cycle, just saying, Hey, I'm not feeling like I'm not managing this while I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling well, I'm not recovering. And so we just, we just approached it differently. And she's so flexible. She's so great. She's so flexible. She never has never once has made me feel bad or guilty or, anything about having to rearrange or, you know, needing an extra day off or anything like that. She's just the best. She is the best. I mean, that is what a good coach does. You know, mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. if you can't be flexible with your athletes schedules and needs, mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't be coaching. Totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. I mean, everybody's schedule is, is important, but like somebody with the life that you live, mm -hmm. if you can't be flexible, you can't do this thing. No, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. So would you say like 50% of your runs training for the ultra were with Jonah? Mm -mm. This go around, I would say probably 25%. Okay. And mm -hmm. tell me what that's like, because have you ever trained a cycle with that few miles being with without Jonah? No, I haven't. This, this was the first go around. And some of that had to do with Jonah as well. So Jonah has been also having having back issues and some severe hamstring tightness. He's getting Botox for his hamstrings um, this month, actually. So hopefully that'll alleviate some of the pain that he's been feeling. So we would get out um, and probably about an hour into a run, he's like, Mom, I, I, I have to be done. I have mm. to be done. And so we would come back and we had so many conversations you know, I'd say, Jonah, are you sure you want to do this? Like, we're talking like you have, we're going to have at least another seven, eight, nine hours that you have to be sitting for. Like, maybe we reevaluate, maybe we don't do this. Um, because I also, like I said, I was also feeling terrible. So, and nope, mom, I'm going to do it. Like, th this is what I want to do. I'll make it, I'll make it through. So yeah, it was mentally one of those things where I'm like, wow, like you, the, I the longest I pushed him this training cycle, I think was 90 minutes where for a marathon, when we're training for a marathon, I'll have pushed him for up to two hours. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going into a 50 miler having run less with him than I would traditionally for a marathon. So that that mentally was was challenging. Um, but he was now nah, I'm good, mom. No, mom, I'm going to be good. Mom, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> you know, So all right. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was mentally challenging, but that's incredible though. I mean, I can't imagine getting to that race thinking 
you kind of have to block that out, right? Like you can't (laughs) obsess over the fact that you haven't done over this amount of time with him knowing you're going to be out there for eight hours. Yep. (laughs) How did you resituate everything in your brain? Well, so I think last year's marathon actually was helpful in doing so because I did not foresee us running what we ran in wine glass. Like I was, I was running injured during that training cycle. So, you know, it was like, wow, magic, you know, magic happens with him. Like magic just happens with him. So I just kept reminding myself of that. Like, Hey, magic happens with him. We just need some magic to happen today or on race day. And, um, I think that we focus so much on what, like we haven't done it versus like, oh, well, I, I hadn't run more than 90 minutes, but I have done X, Y, and Z. I have pushed him in all of these marathons leading up to Mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, so, so focusing more on everything that we had done outside of just this training cycle going in and knowing that so much of a race is mental that, you know, your, your body can do a lot more than, than you think it can, if you can get your mind to just kind of get on board. Right. So it was like, okay, no, I've been here. Hey, we broke three hours. I didn't see that coming that, that day. So yeah, maybe I haven't run more than 90 minutes, but yeah, we can keep, we'll keep going. We can do this, (laughs) you know, like, Hey, magic happens with him. So that, that was kind of my mentality. Just, just remembering that, you know, your, your head has to be strong and, and you never know what's going to happen on race day. So yeah. See, everybody training for a fall marathon needed to hear that. (laughs) I mean, it's so true because I think that people race their workouts. Like they run so hard in their workouts and their training and then lose mental toughness in the race. And I mean, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast in the past, but just like if you dial the workouts back just a little bit, just a little bit so that you're not like laying it all out there in your training and you could really lay it all out there in your, your racing. I think though, and you said this in one of your posts, like this race for you was 12 years in the making. Like Mm -hmm. you, you didn't just like get out there and run 50 miles and maybe your training cycle wasn't great. I mean, you had all these things that you were dealing with, but it's like, if you're mentally, if you mentally can draw on all the hard work and all the hard things you've done in the last 12 years, I think you can push your body so much more. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we tried to do. It was, it was 12 years in the making, like a 50 mile race to me or 50 mile run. I it was a 50 mile run for me, for Jonah. He was like, we have to win this thing, mom. (laughs) <laughs> that's all say call it a 50 mile race wait did you racing. place uh y- yes you won we, well i got second so, second female or second overall well, a, fem- a female won okay yes, so right? second female and second overall okay yeah, okay so jonah will will tell you he was the first male to cross the finish line yeah so, <laughs> yes that's awesome <laughs> yeah he was loving that. He would all mom, okay, our goal, we are going to win. And I'm like, um, okay, Jonah, my goal is to finish. Yeah. And he's like, well, my goal is to win. I'm like, can we meet somewhere in the middle? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so now he's like, we both accomplished our goals, <laughs> you know, because he won for the guys and I finished. And so yay. there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, so good. So- 
Yeah, but that my my friend Jill, who is one of my closest girlfriends, she provided on-course support for us and she rode her bike alongside us. And at one point in the race, I I was really struggling with my back and and the, the spasming that I get. And she reminded me of my post and she was like, how 12 years. Mm. She's like, this does not compare to last 12 years. And I was like, you are so right. I've got to pull my head back. I've got to pull my head out of this because we've endured so much. He has endured himself so much that uh, that was a celebration. You know, you, that is just a, look at all we've done. Like, let's just go have an incredible time together. This is almost eight hours of just us on this beautiful, beautiful course. And, you know, just kind of celebrating that we've made it this far. So, so that was definitely a thought going in like, oh, this, this is just a run, you know, like this, this we, we've got this, this is just a run, you know? So yeah. And yeah. And so we did, we did reflect on, on his 12 years of life during, during that run. So, and I'm not sure if you knew this, I don't know if I posted about this, but that was his birthday present. That oh. was the only thing he wanted for his birthday was to run 50 miles. Oh my so god! That was, that was my birthday gift to him for, for his request. Mom's going to work really hard for your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and he probably said it upwards of a hundred times throughout the day. This is the best birthday present. Uh. Ever. This is the best gift ever. So, yeah. That is beautiful. It was awesome. That's so incredible. And Jill ran, rode the entire race yeah. with you. She did. She is she is a biker. So she's she's a great biker. Um yeah, so she did. She rode alongside us all 50 miles. So we want to have I mean, I've told her. She's like, "You would have done it anyways." I'm like, "There's no way. She helped us so much like so much so we wouldn't have been able to do it without her she was oh. incredible she i wouldn't have been able to do half of life without her so oh. she's, she's the best so yeah that's amazing yeah but you like you really run fast like you know how you said like oh this is just a 50 mile run okay that is a great way to think of it but like you really aren't just running 50 miles like you are you're you have it in your head and you said you're a competitive person like you're running hard. Yeah. Yeah, I am competitive and I do have it in my head. Um, I can't, I can't deny that at all. Like I have, I have these goals, even when I'm pushed, like pushing him, like it's not just individual goals that I have, like for hybrid competitions. Like when we run together, I do have goals that I want us to accomplish. He has goals that he wants us to accomplish. We have, we both have goals that meet up, you know? So yeah, it's not, um, the 50 mile was probably the one that, no, it's definitely the one where I had the least competitive thoughts going in, I think, because I didn't know what to expect and I had been feeling so unwell and I really was trying to make my peace with, hey, your goal really just needs to be to finish this, yeah. you know? But of course, then my brain starts going, well, how fast do you think you can finish? This? What do you think <laughs> is a good time? What will you be? You know what I mean? There's always this of course, extra yeah. going on. And um, so <laughs> I had those discussions with Jill Pryor, like, hey, this is my goal, which was to finish. And I had to say to her leading up to it, remind me throughout that my goal is to finish. Like if I hit a rough patch, tell me, stop beating yourself up. 
you're in a rough patch. Your goal was to finish. And I needed that reminder a few times because of course I get out there and I'm like, oh, all right. Um, cool. Oh, okay. You know, like we're hitting these mile splits. And um, I, I, at one point I was like, hey, I think we're going to break nine today. Like, and she was like, the goal's to finish. <laughs> you know what I'm like, but, but no, like, look at these splits. I think maybe. And then it was, oh, I, I think we're going to break eight today. The goal is to finish. Anything could happen. You know, like you still have 15 miles left and the goal is to finish. And I'm like, who's behind us? <laughs> and she's like, it doesn't matter if there's anybody coming. Like your goal is to finish. And I'm like, no, no, but it matters who's behind Yes. Us. So, so. So yeah, I can't, I try to turn it off. I can't always turn it off, you know, so. That's yeah. awesome though, because she's taking the pressure off a little bit by saying that, even though you're still oh, yeah. like self-inducing it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that's the fun in it. Like you'd be so yeah. satisfied if you finished regardless, but like you have this like extra bonus. Like I'm yeah. sure the last 10 miles you had your eye on that eight hours. You ran 7.53. I did. I so did because that the last 15 miles, 16 miles, you're running uphill. It's not like this huge uphill. It's like a very small mm. incline, but even the smallest incline when you're pushing feels just, Oh, I can't imagine terrible. So, um, and it truly the whole last part and I could see us, our time slipping away. I knew it was mm. going to be a really big positive split, right? I knew that like Mary and I had talked about that because because of the course. Yeah, because of the course, the nature of the course, and it's a gravel path. And, you know, and so we had talked about that. And it was like, well, what are we going to do? And it was just trying to run at a pace that I thought I could maintain for 50 miles. So we ended up coming through 25 miles on pace to run like seven flat. I mean, we hit the marathon at, in three hours and 33 minutes. Wow. So now you see what big positive split we had, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so that would have been like seven hours, you know, I knew, I knew there was no way we were going to maintain that. I absolutely knew it. So when we hit the turnaround and I, you know, my, I was running like three minutes per mile slower coming back up. So for those last 15 miles. So I was constantly doing the math in my head because that competitive person, oh, seven hours. Okay. Well, that should mean we should be able to break eight. Yeah. So that eight hour mark became what I fixated. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know? And as I'm watching that time slowly chip away and um, I set little goals for myself. So it'd be like, okay, we're at mile 35. Let's make it to mile 40. I don't want to walk. I had not walked at all. I stopped at the turnaround at uh, the aid station to change shoes and clothes. So in my head, I was like, okay, let's, let's make it to 40 miles without having to walk. And then we hit 40 miles and I was like, okay, let's make it to 45 miles and not have to walk. And then once we hit 45 miles, I knew I wasn't walking the last five miles. And yeah. so I thought, okay, if I can keep doing this, then we'll stay under eight hours. And it was like those last 15 miles were all within like 10, I think like 10 seconds of each other. Wow. So it was just like, you know, very, very monotonous at that point. I couldn't run any faster, but I also wasn't running any slower, which Jonah was, <laughs> he kills me. He goes, mom, are you sure you're not walking? You know, so I was like, <laughs> are you sure you're not walking back there? And I was like, ha -ha. 
speed walking at least, right? You're speed walking. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm running. I'm running my hardest. I'm trying so hard. And he would just get this belly laugh because he knew he was being so funny, you know, and he's just belly laughing. And, you know, it was just, it was so funny. It was so funny. So yeah, when we hit that, I think it was mile 40, 49. And I knew at that point, like, oh, okay, we could, we could walk in and, and hit 50 or hit be under eight. It was like, whoa, that's really kind of cool. Wow. You know, like this is, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like what was that finish line feeling? Oh my gosh, Lindsay, it was amazing. The whole day, the whole day was so amazing. I never have experienced such joy running in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't know what it was. I, I try and like pinpoint it. And I don't know if it was, it was so nice out. And unlike the marathons where we're, where we're definitely going for a time, like Joan and I were able to talk the whole time minus that chunk where I was, you know, in, in that dark place. But, um, so it was just, and he didn't have any pain that he complained about. He was just so like positive the whole way and singing the whole way. And it, it was just, it was the best. It was the best. So, we hit 49 and my family was at 49 mile 49. Mm -hmm. So that I had to struggle not to start hyper hyperventilating because, yeah. you know, it's like you get so emotional and here's this goal that truly I did not know if we were going to accomplish. Like I can say all I want about, you know, you have to be mentally tough and you have to, you know, but that part of my head was still like, you have been feeling very unwell is this something you can do? I don't know that this is something that you can do. Um, and so that to me was just like one of the, wow, my body just did this, you know, like, and um, so then when we hit 50 and crossed the finish line, my, the boy, Noah and Jack ran, ran, you know, that last little section and we crossed and it was just like, oh, it was just so overwhelming and so awesome. And just Jonah was so excited and just kept saying, can you believe we did it? That was the best birthday present ever. Best day of my life. You know, he was just so happy and it, it was just, yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was also really, really super painful. I've never been in so much pain in my life doing any physical type of event and pain for hours. I mean, I was in serious pain for a good three hours. So like my arms were locked on the chair, my hips, my knee. I mean, it was just super painful. So it's like, you're so elated and also in so much pain. <laughs> Are you still sore? I mean, it ha has it been two weeks? How long has it been? It's been 10 days. Oh, it's and, only been 10 days. Uh -huh, yeah, I'm, I am. I'm still, my hamstrings are still, my, my upper body's fine now. My hamstrings and my low back are still sore. So yeah, I they, bet. they haven't come around yet. So they'll come around when they feel like it, but they're not ready yet. Are you, so, you're still yeah. in a high? Oh, um, I, forever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Forever. That's so yeah, good. Forever. Yeah. 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 This is one of those those uh, moments, I think, in our lives that I will never not be so incredibly happy about. So I think this is something that when I'm having a dark day, I can turn back to and say, 
wow, remember that, you know? So yeah, it was, it was just amazing. It was the best. You know, it's a good reminder to the listeners to like doing hard things is always worth it. Agreed. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's not to say you shouldn't give yourself days where you like slop around a little bit or whatever, but like the joy that you are expressing right now from doing the hardest thing you've ever done physically is like, I want that feeling, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, So busy lady here. She's got work to do. She's got things to do. So we'll wrap up here. Okay. Friends, if you want more details about, you know, the beginning days of Jonah's story, you can always go back and listen to our first episode. We'll link it in the show notes that we did. We actually, Holly and I got to record that one in person. That was awesome. It was so great seeing you. That was so cool. <laughs> it was. Um, but we're going to wrap up here with End of Podcast. And I know I've done End of Podcast with you before, but you, you've surely read, maybe not because you're the busiest person alive, but you've surely read another book since we last talked what's the best most recent book you've read um i'm really loving the steve magnus the do hard things do hard things i love it love it love it so much love it Mm -hmm. that's a good one i listened to it on audible and then i actually interviewed him so that was pretty cool Mm -hmm. i saw it yeah (laughs) yeah um and then, okay, so Holly and I are going to do, and I, I feel like I might start doing this on episodes now. As I was scrolling through Holly's Instagram, I noticed a song she posted on one of her lifting videos, and I immediately was like, I'm making a new playlist on Spotify. <laughs> and I added it to a new playlist. So far, it only has that one song on there. <laughs> so between the two of us, we're going to add six more songs to this playlist. So the song that Holly, the song is Post Malone. What's it called? A Thousand Bad Times. Okay. A Thousand Bad Times. Mm-hmm. And then we'll share, we'll share the new playlist um, and we'll start adding to it as well in the show notes. So what other three songs do you have? All right. So next one is Don't Give Up On Me by Sean Mendes. Sean Mendes. Okay. Right? Yes. Okay. That one is Jonah's favorite song. Okay. And he, we had to play it on repeat during our 50 miler. It's the best. Um, Hard Love by Need to Breathe. Oh, I love that one. Me too. I love that one so much. And the other one I'm going to give, I have to, even though it's so overplayed because of Stranger Things and social media, but um, it's been our favorite song that we've listened to since we started running together in the Hoyt chair, and that's Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Dude. And I'm very disappointed that it's so overplayed because, like, that was our jam. Uh, like, that's so our jam. And I'm like, oh, because, you know, I, I'd give anything to swap places with him and him being the one that's out there, you know, using his legs running. So, so I had to add it, even though, you know, it's overplayed. So, you know what? I feel you like, I'm like, when it's a song you've loved forever, you guys aren't allowed to have that song. That's my song. (laughs) Exactly. Right. It doesn't feel special. Yeah. Right. I'm like, everybody knows this song, but this is our song. (laughs) Yes. Oh, those are great. Okay, we're going to put those on. Um, I'm going to do, actually, this song I found on Instagram. So that's overplayed too. But I love the Fly Away song. It's the Jonas Blue remix, Tones and I. I've got to write that. I don't know that. Do you know that one? I don't. I listen to that all the time when I run. It just, it for some reason, it makes me happy. 
Um, okay, that's my one. And then let's see. I didn't I didn't prep. I gave Holly the prep. I was like, hey, can you think of three songs? But then I didn't. Okay, so we'll do that. And then we'll do. Oh, I love Sunrise, Childish Gambino. Do you know that one? Yes, yes, yes. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. And then my next one is going to be. Okay, Don't Let Me Fall, B.O.B. I like that one. I don't know that one. I've got to look at that one, too. I think you would like that one. Okay, Don't Let Me Fall, B.O.B. All right. So we'll, we'll I'm going to start a playlist, and it's called um, Strong M.F.R. Yes. I already labeled it that. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, So that's going to be linked in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Holly, you know I always ask last message to leave with our audience. Maybe it can pertain to what you just accomplished, but what's your message from the race, the last 12 years, whatever you want to share? Just find your joy. Find something that brings you joy and just hold on to it tight and keep doing it. That's it. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Lindsay. It was great talking with you again. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Holly, for being a guest on both shows. And we just truly appreciate you and all that you do. And we are cheering you on. Friends, you can follow Holly on Instagram. She's runchick1. You can follow the Illuminate podcast on Instagram. We are the Illuminate podcast over there. And um, you can find me personally. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram and learn more about all the shows in our podcast network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks for being here and we'll see you next time on the Illuminate podcast. <laughs>